Hello, fellow health and safety professionals. We are coming to you live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Fonz, Laverne and Shirley, and of course, beer. How could it get any better than that? This is Ted Speaks Live. Our podcast will focus on keeping people safe, families together, and growing your career in short eight to 10 minute weekly segments. Your host is Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. Ted has over 25 years of health and safety experience in both manufacturing and construction. He started his career in the field and worked his way up to safety director. Ted also coaches football and knows how important it is to communicate expectations and work together both at work and at play. With this as Ted's background, he is excited to share some of his experiences with you and to improve your career and your company. Our guest today is Jessica Janneman. Jessica has eight years of experience in the automotive industry in environmental health and safety. Jessica holds a BS in environmental science and a master's of science in safety management from Oakland University. During her career, she has delivered and reported key safety performance results and process-related improvements from the digital transformation initiatives undertaken across the global operations centers of global automotive systems and Dura Automotive. Jessica was awarded the 2020 National Safety Council Rising Star of Safety Award. She is currently Executive Director of Environmental Health and Safety and Quality at Global Automotive Systems. Global Automotive Systems creates highly efficient process and product solutions that form the future of mobility, safety, and environmental sustainability. Their facilities include high-quality manufacturing of roll-formed, laser-welded, and structural components, metallic assemblies and stamping, charge-air cooler assemblies, frame assemblies, transmission hubs, steering shafts, welding assemblies, and tubular components to the automotive industry. Hi, Jessica. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, Getting ready for the Christmas season, kind of after it already now, but I hope you got all those presents uh, that you wanted for Christmas and Santa Claus was good to you. Yeah, thank goodness for Amazon. That's all yeah, I can say. So. Definitely, especially nowadays, right? Yeah, especially with the right. COVID and everything going on. Yeah. It's been a little bit different than in the past. But hey, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your National Safety Council 2020 Rising Star in Safety Award. Wow, what an honor to be able to get that. Yeah, thank you. I'm very humbled and honored for the nomination and somebody thinking that I'm deserving. So gracious award. I'm very appreciative for it. Well, I think that you're being very humble about it because I saw all the LinkedIn connections, all the people that were congratulating you on this award. So there were a lot of them. I couldn't believe how many you had. So that has to be really inspiring. Yeah, I think that's something the safety profession we can always rely upon as colleagues. And we always have a very strong network of people. I think intuitively we're people persons or we have to be able to relate to people and we're always very supportive to help one another. So Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's what we have to do as a community of professionals, right? Is to be able to help each other and stuff like that and and pull for each other. Again, wow. Congratulations on that great award. Yeah, thank you. Can you kind of give our audience perhaps a little bit of background about your career and what really made you want to get involved with safety? Yeah, so I think like most safety professionals, I can say that I fell into safety. It was not something that I necessarily started my career out with. I actually began my career and my degree was in environmental. And 
actually came into uh, ABB was my first introduction to safety. I was actually introduced uh, as an environmental person, or that was the intent of my role. And safety is infectious, working with people and helping to keep not only the uh, environment safe, but people and the planet. And I think that's something within the E and S profession overall. It's really unique and it's great about that. So came into to ABB, was working in the safety. Actually, one of my mentors, Daryl Hill, he introduced it to me. And it's one of those things that just grabbed onto me. So like I said, working with people and overall, and then went into working for FBA and supporting from a corporate safety profession, then working into Dura Automotive as a regional manager for the, the E to N, and then eventually going into a global role. And <laughs> now I'm over at Global Automotive Systems and I oversee E to N and manufacturing planning. So it's been a journey <laughs> so far. But I can see why you've been so successful just because number one, you have a passion for people and people in safety really need to have that. And you have that. And I can just tell by the pride that you have in your job. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's one of those things where we're lucky enough to where we work in a profession that it's about making people safe first and foremost, but you're really taking care of people in their lives, right? And you get to work with them on a personal basis and it kind of brings more than just uh, you're trying to create products. At the end of the day, we have to create products and we have to produce things in a safe way, but I think it makes a connection with people. And that, that to me is unique within the, the profession. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, when you can have that connection with people of caring, things just go better. You know, your production, your quality, and your safety, right? All three of those. Yep, that's exactly right. I think too, just listening to you and Ted talk about that personal connection that carries through to a lot of different professions, but you see how important that is in the safety role. I kind of view sometimes as like the safety person used to be the person to avoid. And if you build a true connection and people know that you're there for the right reason and care, not just to police, I think that makes a big difference as to how people are going to listen to you and you guys can work together to achieve the same goal. So that's a big deal that people don't always realize is that relationship builder, I guess. Yeah, and I think there's actually a, a very good report. There was a study that was done, I believe, back in uh, 2015. And it spoke about, it was the Aberdeen study, actually 2014. And, and what they spoke about is relating company performance with safety. And you could see that those that were in the higher class of performance from an overall operations perspective actually had a tying indicator to how their safety performance was. Oh, okay. And there were a few KPIs that they looked at or key performance indicators that really, I think, they focused in on to try and correlate between different operations and companies. And one of the things that they found was things like success and making sure that you do that people element. So I think that just shows that as much as we do talk about maybe safety and operations separately. They're they're really integral to one another and and being successful as an organization. I think that's also one thing I can say as a safety professional, to be successful, you have to be able to relate it to an operational perspective. Right. That's very true. You have to know how to work the two together. Well, we've talked about how personal connections are a good tool to use in the safety world. What other tools have helped support you in 
progressing the organization in safety and in culture? Well, you have to make things available to the people that are doing the day-to-day, right? And so for me, communication is huge. And I can remember even going back to my ADV days and FCA, and I was always very tight-knit with my communications department because as a safety professional, I'm not a communications expert, but I really work with, and I still work with to this day, making sure that communications and I are aligned. And the reason for that is because they are really the professionals as to how to communicate and what tools can be provided. So for example, if I want to really relate to people out on the production floor, whether it's at the C-suite level or at a middle management position, what communication tools can I provide to my operators? And so things like focusing on unsafe acts and unsafe conditions, are there cards? Are there ways that we can provide tools in the hands of operators to how they can communicate in terms of safety and environmental? And I think that's critical because if you're lacking those types of communication tools, you're really going to be hurting in terms of progressing your culture forward. So that's one for me that I've seen as key. And I wouldn't suggest to any safety professional that's coming into an organization to not look at those types of tools and how they're communicating and what they're utilizing. So, I think you bring up an excellent point, Jessica. I mean, a lot of times we hear one way, right? So an incident happened. Okay, so we look at it, we try to solve it, we try to do the best thing that we can do about it, and then we drop it, right? It doesn't do anybody any good if we don't communicate that out to everybody about, hey, this is what happened, stuff like that. Not putting blame on anybody or anything like that, but this is how we can get better. And if we don't communicate that, I think that's where we fall short as safety professionals at times. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it goes both ways, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can focus on the proactive items and the key action indicators, which are things like your unsafe acts, unsafe conditions, problem solving, recognizing hazards before an incident occurs, and we're able to communicate that to leadership so that they get addressed, you're not only building the confidence in your employees, you're also making sure that you're identifying and correcting hazards before they impact the workplace. That's exactly what our objective is in safety. A question on that, and I don't know if this changes the way you communicate too much internally, but with the pandemic, do you see more technology being used to communicate and pass messages along versus face-to-face or in-person? Or are you able to do a little bit of both or hasn't that really changed within your organization, maybe? Well, we are an essential industry, being in an automotive industry. Yeah. We are identified. So we haven't really ever shut down 100% production, I will say maybe for a few week period. But one of the tools we have leveraged, we use a software system called Process Map. It's an EHNS software solution. And we've used that for recording unsafe acts and unsafe conditions from a mobile application or even on the shop floor. We use tablets and computers or kiosks. And in addition to that, with COVID, we've actually utilized Process Map for our screening tools and, and everything to report it. Prior to coming to work, you have to do a screening. Well, it's great if I can actually have employees do the screening when they're still at home, right? Right, And then I'm avoiding them coming into work. So we've leveraged a couple of those process mapping tools to help us with that. And I think 
that technology really does help because, again, I'm eliminating risk and hazard before people even come into the workplace, right? Yeah, that sounds very beneficial. I know just in today's world, as a parent, sometimes I think, oh, technology, I'd like to go back a couple decades and not have so much. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I think if we use it correctly, and especially in 2020, the connections and such that we can keep, you know, I can't imagine if we didn't have some of the tools that we do. So it's just interesting to hear how you use it at the workplace. Yeah. And I think, listen, not everybody is going to be super tech savvy, right? But I can say from having those different options where I still have the availability to write something down and submit it, or I can take a picture of it right then and there. I can record it, write it up, submit it. It goes directly in my supervisor. It can be assigned a corrective action, whatever it might be. And I just think leveraging the different means, right? Having those different tools available to communicate in different variations help support. Yeah, I would agree. Plus, you're, you're verifying it, right? You're verifying it. You're showing the route that it went, that people have reviewed it too. And I think that's another right. important aspect. Well, it builds that trust, right? With right. employees. If an employee reports something a hundred times and nobody addresses it because it's not getting to the levels it needs to get to, they're going to stop talking, right? Yeah, so, they're immediately going to say safety doesn't care, right? And that's the last thing we want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do have another question here, Jessica, in your role. Can you tell us about how you developed cross-functional teams, environmental health and safety and operation leaders, and how it improved your safety? Yeah. So one of the things that I think it's helped is we're looking for, and I know it sounds typical corny, but everybody has a part in safety, right? Mm -hmm, Right. But if you're able to leverage certain people, especially focusing on tools, and I'm talking about skilled tools, Okay. Such as Kaizen, if you, you look on continuous improvement, those types of things. And everybody talks that same language, right? So you're finding a common language to really communicate. It doesn't matter if I'm operations, if I'm safety, I could be maintenance. But if you're communicating in the standard format, I think that that really helps to build those cross-functional development teams. Because the safety people, we like to be super technical and we like to make things a little bit overcomplicated. And I have to watch and catch myself all the time because my manager is infamous for saying that. But if you're speaking a similar language and you're able to communicate effectively what you're trying to get done, I think that helps. And that's part of where I think building cross-functional teams all aligned to the same goals, talking the same language can really help to achieve a good safety performance. Yeah, that makes total sense. Unfortunately, probably not everyone sees that as clearly as you do. So that's a good What, what do you mean? Point you mean to bring everybody up. doesn't yeah. know what CFR 191923 is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, come on, isn't that common sense? <laughs> but, you know, utilizing the people that are right there, sometimes we bypass that and you need to recognize it first before you can implement it. So... Yeah, very good point. Yeah, you need to be put into people's shoes, right? To where you're able to say, let me put on an operator's hat, right? Mm-hmm. And let me exactly. let me actually do what they do. And how can I speak the same safety language? And you're exactly right, Ken. In, in terms of citing something or even, you know, if I go up and I say, oh, it's a PFDI or present sensing device initiation. <laughs> no, that's a light screen, okay? <laughs> so right. Something like that. 
Yeah, we, we don't want to be sounding like the military with all the different uh, initials, that's for sure. CSP <laughs> and all those fun ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, Jessica, 2020 obviously has been a year of challenges for all of us in the last year. How have you been able to really address a lot of maybe issues in the, the past last year that you may have had at your facility? Is there like a big challenge that you ran into, whether it was due to COVID or not, I guess? Yeah. Well, I mean, this past year, it's been a roller coaster, right? And I think all of us can say that where we may have had certain objectives and targets starting at the beginning of the year. And you always do this. You set it out right. And you say, here's my plan. This is going to be great. Here's what we're going to achieve. And then COVID hits and that (laughs) all kind of goes downhill. And you're trying to... Wind out of our sails, right? (laughs) Yeah, it just kind of knocks you right off that right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, how do I build everybody back up? Right. I think part of the challenge has been the morale boost. Mm, yeah. That's one thing. And I think everybody faces that. And from a leadership aspect, I think that's where we just have to really reinforce, try to be positive and build that into still there's the day-to-day and the challenges that we face, but what activities can we still do to boost morale and keep people engaged? I think is one of the biggest challenges. And trying to support that. And I, I will say from the, the operations side of what COVID and when that time hit, I had to put my safety hat on to write the instructions and the global procedures and what was going to be done and so forth. But at the same time, I also had to turn into my purchasing department, my logistics department. Where can I purchase sanitizer? Oh, I can centralize it in a hub out of the Czech Republic and send it XYZ. <laughs> uh-huh. Sounds so, pretty easy, simple. Yeah, it sounds pretty simple, right? All from my dining room table. <laughs> but no, I think that there's been a lot of challenges for everybody. And I think obviously with COVID, but there's that impact with the morale and, and keeping people engaged. And so I think that's one thing we've really focused on. Yeah, I know. Just speaking on a personal level as a mom, Ted and I have four kids and just realizing, you know, at first when this all started, we thought we got this under control, we're doing good, but the morale is such an issue and it's harder than you think. It really affects motivation. People have to learn to adapt and so it's important and it's good that you recognize that and help everyone that works with you and for you because it really can change how you do your day-to-day things. It's a big deal. Definitely learned that through the past year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and even it's interesting when we were shut down or when we were going through the shutdown, even for that small period of time, we were trying to think of ways to still engage people at home, still keep morale up. And, And even today, I was sending out a safety talk to the organization this the past couple of weeks, one talking about wellness, So from a physical, mental wellness, overall, what can you do to help support? And I'm not trying to make it super dramatic or anything, but just remind people that there's certain key activities and things that in order to keep that wellness for yourself that you can focus on. It's so important nowadays. So important. Yeah. Well, we wanted to ask you one last question here, Jessica. Sounds like you're very involved in the safety world. I know you're involved in the National Safety Council. And what advice would you give to safety professionals out there, maybe even getting started or just needing a little boost in the importance of being involved in safety groups? I guess what you gain from it and maybe how they can get involved if they're not sure where to start? Sure. You know, that's an excellent question. So yeah, National Safety Council 
they provide a lot of really good resources and tools and forums and networks where you can communicate. I've also been involved at American Society of Safety Professionals, ASSP. That's one that ever since I got into safety, I've kind of latched on to because it's a, a very close network locally of people that you can work with. And it not only builds leadership skills, but you can always, if you have a technical question, it provides you with that forum of different people that may be able to answer very readily. And again, as we started out this conversation, I'm grateful for that. And I think safety professionals are always ones. They're happy to help, Mm -hmm. right? And it's infectious in that regard. So not just from a professional standpoint, but personally, you know, some of these people become a second family to you. Sure. And it's really great. You have that support all the time. So as a safety professional or EHS professional starting out, I would say get involved, get in volunteering. ASSP also helps write standards. I know NSC is very involved with some of those activities, So it also helps you provide a voice to how the profession is structured. And it's extremely rewarding and supporting from a, a development standpoint. I would agree with you. I've been fortunate to be involved in the, with the National Safety Council when the crane standard came out and and I'm involved in the local chapter in Appleton. And you're right, you get a lot out of it. You're able to network with people that have similar issues and it's a great way to uh, go about it. So yeah, I think that's one reason that we have this podcast is to support and learn from each other, which is what you've helped us do today. So we really appreciate it. Great job. Yep. Just to let you know, the jokes are next. So be prepared. (laughs) This is the best part, Jessica, of this whole thing here. And I really believe that this is, but hey, so now it's time for us to have a little fun. As you know, I'm the positive safety coach and What we want to do is add a little humor because I think that's important to keep things upbeat in our profession. And so the first question I have to ask you, why did the penny cross the road? Hmm. (laughs) Don't give it too much thought. I don't know. Because it just made sense. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm going to let you read the next one. (laughs) Okay. This one was a little iffy, so... I don't want to take credit for some of it. As a safety professional, you'll appreciate this, Jessica. Trust me. What shouldn't be used in place of a ladder? A couple of things that you can maybe think of. (laughs) Or why don't you just tell her? I'll just tell you. Yeah, just tell me. (laughs) Yeah. A rope, indoor potted tree, and a human pyramid. So those are the things that we shouldn't be using in the organizations we are working with. I tried to get Ted to cut that one, but he said no. She did. I have to say she tried to cut that one out. Okay, I'll end with the last one here. How many times is a guy going to fall down the stairs? Hopefully never. Well, exactly. (laughs) Or as Ted's answer has, until he sticks the landing. Oh, yeah. So you guys must be butter because you're on a roll. Holy good one. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Hey, uh, Jessica. Thank you for being on our podcast. How many people that are listening to this podcast that might want to talk to you about things? How could they get a hold of you? You can contact me through LinkedIn. I know that's kind of how we connected, Ted. Yep, and I it is. think it provides a, a good networking tool. So you yeah, can always look me up on LinkedIn. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for reaching out and organizing. Yeah. You stay safe. Yes. Stay safe. And thank you for your time. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Have a safe, happy holiday. You too. You too. Thanks for being on Ted Speaks Live. 
Thanks for listening to Ted Speaks Live with Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out through email at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com if you'd like to know more about our podcast or if you're interested in being a guest. Feel free to check us out at healthandsafetynow.com. Rate and review on your favorite podcast app. Join us next week for our next episode. Have a super safe week.